pray together. Father, we want to give you thanks this morning as we've just been reflecting on this uh, concept of love for the last uh, week and a bit. We want to pray today that uh, you would reach into our hearts and you would continue to communicate what does it really mean to love one another in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, welcome to part two in our series simply titled Love. Uh, It's all based in this particular passage. You heard it in song a moment ago. Now let me read it to you. 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love is eternal. Uh, So the NIV, uh, except for those last three words, that's the quote from the good news, love is eternal. I just really like the way it words it. Um, Last week, we looked at the preceding three verses, and uh, we, we thought about the priority of love. This week, we're going to start to unpack that famous passage, and the title of this message is simply, Love is Patient and Kind. Love is Patient and Kind. So we're going to look at those two areas, patience and kindness. Uh, But just before I do that, let me mention one or two things, because last week, uh, some people said, Lee, you you often write a book to go with the series. Um, It'd be good to have some quiet time material. Uh, Well, yes, we do. So we've got this here. Uh, There's a bunch of those on our welcome table. Feel free to use these for your quiet times. I didn't actually write this one, but a friend of mine in England wrote it based on the sermons I do on the series. So it is directly related. Uh, But, yep, they're freely available after service if you'd like to grab one. Also, you've already heard our small groups are doing 40 Days of Love, which is a Rick Warren DVD series. So do make that a priority. Rick does a great job of that series. Very practical, very life-related, and um, it'll be be a lot of fun unpacking that together in a small group setting. Rick Warren's 40 Days of Love. 7.30, Wednesday and Friday evenings. You know, when I was about 15 years old, I got the crazy idea of um, making a really big reptile observatory. Seriously. So we had an above-ground pool, but the the lining of the pool was getting to that stage where it needed replacing. So I said to my parents, can I make a big reptile observatory in there? And they said yes. (laughs) So loaded up with with sand, really big rocks, um, planted cactuses in there, big cactuses, and... uh, also grabbed a, 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 I call them man ferns. There's probably a, not a proper name for them, but they're the really big ferns that have the big log and the like log-like thing and all the ferns coming off. Cut one of those down on the creek, which I'm sure I wasn't supposed to do, um, <laughs> and wrapped a rope around it and tried to drag it home. so heavy because it was wet. And uh, my dog was trying to help me too. He was pulling the rope as well. <laughs> anyway, set it all up. And so the hollowed out part of that log. It still grew as a, as a fern, but laid it down flat and uh, great, made some great spots for them. I already had a bunch of skinks. Um, so the type of skinks I had, they grow up to about 35 centimetres, very colourful tummies. Um, the backs are usually grey or reddish brown. Uh, so I had a bunch of those already, so released them into the new, bigger zone they had and also caught a bunch of blue tongues. And uh, 
off, off we went. And it was a lot of fun. You know, friends would come over and cut up bits of meat and throw it in there and watch them you know, fight over it and stuff. And most of them were really tame. So you sit around with your friends, have a blue tongue on your shoulder, you know, that sort of thing. So <laughs> heaps of fun. Um, actually, my daughter, Evangeline here, she's probably followed in my footsteps a little bit. She has two bearded dragons, gorgeous creatures. Um, one, ha- it's one of the interesting things about the bearded dragons, if they're threatened... Or if they're angry as well, their, their beards go black, like a real distinct change of colour, you know, really quite dramatic. They're normally light brown, you know, so it's, yeah, it's, it's quite dramatic. The one I always wanted as a kid, you might have done too, but it was all, they're very expensive and need a licence or everything, is, is a chameleon. And the ones can totally, look at this dude here, look how clever they are, how, how he's matched his background there, isn't it? It's just phenomenal how they can do that. Amazing, amazing portion of God's creation. When I was reading a commentary about Corinthians, though, very interesting what one of the Bible commentators said. He said the pro- one of the big problems with the Corinthian church is it was large, growing rapidly, a lot of people were getting saved. But when you looked at the Christians of the, of the Corinthian church, many of them, not all of them, but many of them, they kind of just still blended in with society, he writes, like a chameleon. And... Uh, this is one of the challenges and one of the reasons Paul writes 1 Corinthians because he, he knows there's a, lot of, there's a lot of mess, there's a lot of problems. Big church, but uh, as the commentator wrote, some Christians of Corinth were still blending with the morals of that corrupt and sexually promiscuous city. Paul calls the Corinthian church to stand out as new creations and not to blend in with society. Let's have a look at a, a map here that gives you a little bit of an idea of the area. So Paul, you can see Ephesus there with the red dot. It's believed that Paul wrote the letter of 1 Corinthians when he was in Ephesus. And it was, uh, went across the Aegean Sea there, which is kind of part of the Mediterranean, but, and off to Corinth. Got the idea? Um, say a little bit about that. It's this uh, interesting verse here. Uh, it was written about AD 55, the book, and in uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 18, we read, I urge Titus to go to you, you know, past sense, I urge Titus to go to you and send our brother with him. It's believed Titus delivered that scroll. So he had pack, packaged up that big scroll to the Corinthians and got it over to them. Um, when was the church planted? Well, it was during Paul's second missionary journey. And one of the wonderful things about the Bible, well, we actually have a record of when he planted the Corinthian church. So if you bear with me for a moment, let me, let me read the journey of it being planted. Acts 18, 1 through 11, it says this. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius, he's the emperor of the time, had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker, as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath, he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade the Jews and the Greeks. When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I'm innocent of it. From now on, I go to the Gentiles. Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titius Justus, a worshipper of God. Crispus 
The synagogue leader and his entire household believed in the Lord. Many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. For I am with you and no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half teaching them the word of God. Got the idea? So Paul travels across, starts to communicate initially with the synagogue and actually does lead the synagogue ruler to faith in Christ amongst his whole family as well, um, and establishes that church, spends about 18 months building that church. So that's, that's the history of it. Um, why did Paul write 1 Corinthians? Well, it was to identify the problems in the Corinthian church and to offer solutions. Bible commentators often cite this as the primary verse to sum up what, what the book is, why the book's written. 1 Corinthians 1.10 I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and there is no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. So Paul's teaching about love was essential to create that foundation for unity in the Corinthian church. Now, like I said last week... We looked at the preceding verses of the primary passage we're looking at. And in summary, it was this. The priority of love, four things. If you don't live a life of love, nothing you say, know, believe, or give will matter. Let me say it again. If I don't live a life of love, nothing I say, know, believe, or give will matter. So I thought I'd give you a little bit of history before we start unpacking those two verses. There's, some people appreciate that sort of thing. I know it can, can be a bit boring, but um, it's uh, sometimes good to have that foundation. Well, let's make a start. 1 Corinthians 13.4. It says, love is patient. Love is patient. Now, the Greek word they've translated it from is macrothumeo. 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 Um, and what did it mean? To exhibit internal and external control in difficult circumstances. The control could exhibit itself by delaying an action. And you, I think you probably could immediately think of an action. Something makes you really mad, you can fly off the handle, go off at the person, or you can delay that action. <laughs> and, uh, as someone has said, take a pill. <laughs> not, not meaning literally. <laughs> if, if, if you dig a little deeper... The Greek words, uh, the Greek word macrothemio, oh, let me say it again, macrothumeo, I should say, macrothumeo, can refer to a person's initial response to a situation and their ongoing response. And that's how it differs from our word patience. Uh, the Hebrew Old Testament understood the concept of patience as being both the initial reaction and the long-term response. I'll say a little bit more about long-term response in a moment. Let me quote a couple of the initial reaction type of verses we find in the Old Testament. Uh, Proverbs 15, 18 says, A hot-tempered person stirs up a conflict, but one who is patient calms a quarrel. Or another one, 14, 29 of Proverbs. Whoever is patient has great understanding, but the one who is quick-tempered displays folly. I remember a guy called John in my old church. Pamela would remember him. Um, and um, went a couple of times I was in his car. And my goodness... <laughs> He used to be so impatient with other drivers. So even I couldn't see that they were doing anything wrong, but he was always yelling at people. <laughs> he just, just really, his patience just wasn't there when it came to driving. But, um, but that's the idea. Like this, this, this kind of flying off the handle, you know. It's, um, it says in Ephesians 4.2, Be completely humble 
and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. What's Ephesians saying? Not negatively reacting when someone has said or done something you're not happy with, but rather bearing with one another in love. Not easy, easy to read, but not easy to do. Now, this, let me just share now the other side of what that Greek word actually means. And you can see it in the way the King James translates it. Look at this, 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Love suffers long. Love suffers long. Really, that's more about endurance. And that's the other side of that Greek word. Um, the initial response to situations and the ongoing response, macrothumeo. Let me read about the long-term kind of thing, the, the, the ability to go through something over a long period of time and yet still remain macrothumeo. James tells us all about it, 5-7. He says, be patient then, brothers and sisters, 5-7, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient. Stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. And so here we see this uh, guy, uh, James is even giving an example of Job. And you know what Job went through. And it was, well, we don't know precise timings, but it seemed to be months. And yet... Job was remarkable in that circumstance. The farmer, he, it's not an initial reaction why he needs that, that uh, macrothumeo. It's because he's got to wait for months. Are the rains going to come? You know, And he's got to be patient. He's got to have that long-term side of the word. Let me suggest this. There's two enemies of patience, two primary ones. One is busyness, and the other one is missing your quiet time. Uh, we can make ourselves so busy. We load so many things into our lives. We pack far too much in there. And I certainly speak to myself as I say this. It's so hard to be patient when you have just packed too much stuff into your life. It's an enemy of patience. And the other one is not spending time with the Lord in, in prayer and in the word or listening to the scriptures. You know, um, having that quality time with the Lord is so important. Very hard to be patient if you've got those two realities in your world. Let's have a look at the other word, kindness. 1 Corinthians 13.4, love is kind. Um, let me just give you the English definition here because it's, it's the same really. The quality of being friendly, generous and considerate. It includes all manner of positive actions. Let me read it again. The quality of being friendly, generous and considerate includes all manner of positive actions. Now, we're probably used to acts of kindness from, from our friends. You know, you kind of sometimes even expect them to, you know, do something kind. I always get taken back when it's a stranger. I, get, I really get surprised, you know. Perhaps I'm cynical, I don't know. <laughs> but I do, I get quite surprised. This week, um, I was, uh, I'd gone out for a coffee with um, a pastor from City Life, the lead pastor there, and then on my way back, I had to pop into Officeworks to grab some stationery. And in the car, I'm thinking to myself, oh, man, I need to go to the toilet. Now, some Officeworks have a, have a bathroom. 
and uh, went into the Epping one, did the big circle around the shop that they don't. So I walked straight back out again and thought, you know, what else is around here? And I saw a shop that looked like a cafe, so I went, went over to the, the cafe shop and uh, had a quick... The manager, I think, was just out the front and had a quick chat with him about um, a bathroom and uh, he said... No, it's ridiculous. This whole area here of shops, there is no public toilets, he says to me. It's, it's ridiculous, isn't it? And, um, and then he said to me, you know what I could do? I'll go next door to the conference centre. There's a cleaner in there cleaning at the moment. I know they have one. And so he went in, had a quick word. He said, yeah, just go use it. <laughs> so I wandered down to the bathroom, sorted it out, and I thought, I should go back to this guy's cafe and buy something, you know. So I went back in and thought, I didn't really want anything, to be honest, but I thought, I'll, I'll grab something. So I grabbed a thing of orange juice and a sandwich. And, and then he says to me, oh, actually, if you don't have cash, our FPOS is down. And I said, oh, it's all right, mate. Don't worry about it. It's all, it's all good. <laughs> and he said, no, 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 you take the food. No, 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 it's, it's, it's our fault that it's down. No, you take it. And I said, well, how am I going to pay you? And he said, oh, that doesn't matter. Next time you're around, don't worry about it. Just take it. Oh, man, this guy is so kind. <laughs> so I thought, oh, look, I'll take it. I went to office work, got some cash out and paid him. <laughs> but <laughs> interesting, does it take you by surprise sometimes when people are kind, random people? You know, I remember Pammy and I were out, out shopping and um, it was just before Christmas. We're standing, we're talking about this at our alpha table actually on Tuesday and we're in this queue and uh, we got a big load of groceries because it was kind of Christmas food and stuff. And uh, there was some other people with, you know, just kind of, you know, a bag full of stuff, a small bag full. And uh, a couple of, couple of them, we'd said, oh, just go in front of us. It's all good. We're not in a hurry. And so a couple of people had done that. The fellow in front of them looked back at us a couple of times. And then he had a word with the person at the checkout. When we got to the point of paying for our groceries, the checkout guy said, uh, the fellow, a few people in front of you, he, he gave me 100 bucks and said, take it off that couple's groceries. So we're, we're being just a little bit kind, letting people in in front of us. He thought, oh, that's nice. I'm going I'm to bless him. I'll give you one more, one more. This was Eltham Audi. Here's another Eltham Audi story. All of you are going to want to shop there after this. <laughs> um, I'd bought a, done a fairly big shop. It was probably close to 300 bucks. And the, you know, the big line of conveyor belt things, all full of groceries. Fill the pocket... That, I'd have my wallet with me. Oh, man. And I thought, I said to the guy, look, I'm just going to dash out to the car. It's like, it's probably in the centre console. I often put it there. I'll just be a second. I could see the lady right down the end behind all my groceries there waiting. <laughs> so I shot out of the car, opened the car door. I thought, oh, it's not there. And as I saw it wasn't there, I remembered it's on my office desk. And the office is like, you know, from, from there, it'd be a 30 minute drive. It's ages away. I thought, oh, and then, I, then I, anyway, I thought, look, well, I, I'll just have to go home. I'll stack all the groceries. Anyway, I explained it to the guy. I said, explain what had happened. I said, look, um, I've, I've gathered them all up now. Uh, how about I just whack them in a trolley and I'll, I'll be back, take a seven-minute drive home here. So in 15 minutes, I'll be back and just, I'll grab my wife's card and pay for it that way. And uh, anyway, so as I'm explaining that to him, the lady behind, I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, she must be getting so cranky having to wait there that long while I get my act together. And she yells out, hey, don't worry about it. I'll pay for them for you. And I said, oh, you can't do that. And she said, no, I mean it. That's no problem. Not a problem at all. Let me pay for them for you. It's not, not an issue. And I said, that's so kind of you. That is so very, very kind of you, but you really don't need it. No, no, I insist, she says. Well, I didn't let her pay, but she was really insisting she wanted to just buy them for me. 
Anyway, so I packed up all the groceries, got them off to the side, and the guy said, oh, I'll just put them to the side and, uh, for when you come back. And she's got served by that time. She's walking out to a car. I'm walking out at about the same time. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm about to get in my three-year-old X-Trail, and, you know, she's getting in her little Ford, which had been well over 10 years old. I thought, it's not like she's plush with money. She's just very, very kind. Isn't, isn't it interesting? Well, friends, uh, it, it's, it's awesome if we can allow that to become who we are. You know, we're people who are patient. We're people who are kind. And I, look, let's be honest, the stranger will be overwhelmed with it. They will be shocked, I'm sure. And sometimes that creates a wonderful witnessing opportunity. Well, friends, um, one of the things you'll see in scriptures is kindness and patience are often placed very near to each other. In fact, the fruit of God's spirit includes those two terms. Let me read it to you, Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Here's another scripture that also has both of the words. Colossians 3.12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, there it is, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if you have any grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Rick Warren uh, makes the statement that he believes kindness can be summarized as simply saying it is love in action. Kindness is love in action. And uh, as you know, I'm always uh, quite strong on application. So I'm going to get you to actually do a random act of kindness right now. I shall explain. (laughs) 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 No, it's actually something you'll enjoy doing. Um, I want you to write a card with some kind words on it to someone here today. Uh, And so because we've got lunch after the service, you can give it to someone during lunch. So just soup and rolls, something simple. So the idea is with a whole selection of cards up here, these are beautifully made by Helen, handcrafted, and her team, beautifully handcrafted cards, uh, two tables, and they're at the back as well. They're all over the place. I want you to come forward and have a look at a card, pick one out for someone, grab a pen from the front or the back, and... Write a card to someone right now. Now, what's the sorts of things you can write? Well, I thought I'd write a few for people yesterday. Why not start with Helen? She makes all these lovely cards. Here's a little card I wrote for Helen. I've just written this. Thank you so much for the time and creative flair you and your team put into the lovely cards. I also appreciate all your work with newcomers to the church and the beautiful smile that you offer them. Where's Helen? I've lost her. Ah, she's in with the kids. You hold on to that and pass it on to them, Marika. Here's one for Tim. Tim, who was just on the drums. You are such an encouragement and fun person to serve with. I'm so grateful for the tremendous work you do in media ministry and your fantastic drumming. Where is the fella? He's in the kitchen. Marika, I've got another one for you. Here's one from Marlene. It has been great getting to know you over the last few months. I appreciate your hard work keeping the church clean and the items you buy for the church when you see a need. The hundreds of flyers you put in mailboxes were so impressive. 
God sees all you do. Thank you, Marlene. Now, here's one for Zach. He's filming as I say these words. Thanks so much for your constant commitment to filming, preaching almost every Sunday, and your tech and stage work during the follow-up. You have a fantastic personality and are so much fun to hang out with. I look forward to you playing saxophone at church soon. (laughs) Got one more. And she's not here. She's out in the kitchen as well or somewhere. (laughs) Here's one for Kerry. Thanks for going the extra mile on so many occasions in ministry. You are the backbone of the church holding so many things together. I always enjoy having a couple with you. And knowing your fondness of coffee, I have the the perfect card. It's got coffee stuff, all our coffee cups all over it. Another one for Mareka to pass on. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, let me pray for you, and then why don't you come forward? Let me have a brief word of prayer. I'm going to quote a few words from Titus 3, 4 as I pray. It says, But when the kindness and love of God our Saviour, there it is, kindness, when the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. So, Father, we, we pause for a moment to be reminded that actually, as we talk about this passage in Corinthians, we can actually say uh, not only that love is patient and kind, but we could say God is patient and kind. We know you are patient, Lord. We know you are kind. Uh, I read a psalm this morning that talked of your patience, and here we see a verse that talks of your kindness. And so, Father, here today, we do give you thanks, Lord. Help us to be filled with the fruit of your spirit, all of those different um, realities of your fruit. Very, very difficult for us mere humans to live that out. But we know when your spirit fills us, moves us, drenches us, that we are more inclined to live out the reality of your fruit, the fruit of your spirit, which includes patience and kindness. Help us in that journey, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.